The reason it's important to get people to pay is because I can ask you what you want to learn at a podcasting course and your answer will be different than if you give me $1,000 and then I ask you what you want to learn at a podcasting course because you want to learn exactly what you need to get a return on that investment and that's a different conversation. Hi, this is Joe Polizzi with the Content Marketing Institute and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Welcome to episode 98, part two of this two-part series with Troy Dean, where we talk about how to convert a consulting transaction-based business into a leveraged business based on online course creation. In this second part, you'll hear Troy talk about the challenges he faced around making that switch, pivoting across from a transaction-based business to a leveraged income business and how he overcame them. And we'll have some action steps that you can take to convert your business from a transaction-based business into a leveraged income business. If you haven't listened to part one, I strongly recommend you do so. Just check out episode 97 from the Productive Insights podcast, and you can access it via the web if you like on ProductiveInsights.com forward slash Troy hyphen Dean. That's T-R-O-Y hyphen Dean. And this second part is exactly the same URL, except it's got a hyphen two on the end. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. Now, without any further ado, let's move on to part two of this two-part series with Troy Dean on how to convert your transaction-based business into a leveraged income business via online courses. There is a direct correlation between the impact you have on people's lives and the money you make. If you are not making the money in your online business that you want to be making, it's probably because you're not helping enough people or you're not helping them enough. I like that. If you're probably not helping enough people, enough people and you're not helping them enough. I enough. love that. That's Great. two tweetables, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do what I can. <laughs> All right. So that's a great case study. So let's go into a bit into the common challenges section. I already touched on one of those, and that is the biggest challenges around productizing information, creating leveraged income courses is, you know, getting people to complete the course. What are the other big challenges you've seen around creating leveraged income models and how do you get around them? How do you solve yeah. them? So the biggest challenge, I'm teaching 120 students at the moment in Rockstar Empires this exact process, and I'm seeing this on a daily basis. The biggest challenge is people think they need to build a course before they sell it. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that old chestnut, re- yep. And, you know, one of the other things that Seth Godin said on the when he was on my podcast, sorry to name drop, <laughs> um, one of the best things he said on that podcast was, here's a radical idea. Why don't you build something people want to buy? Yeah. In fact, why don't you build something that people with money want to buy? Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's so obvious, but so few of us do it. And, so and he, put a pay button on there for them to buy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then yeah. build a thing afterwards yeah. when they've right. paid. Correct. So this is the way that we develop courses now is if I think there's an idea for a course, I'll advertise a series of webinars yep. and I'll get people to enroll in a series of webinars before I even open Keynote, before I even think about, like, I kind of know what's going to be in the course. I know what people's questions are, but I'll get Here's a foolproof way to make a course that people love. Mm. You get people to buy a series of three or four webinars where you're going to teach them, you know, for example, I'm going to teach you 
uh, how to podcast like a pro. If you're in mm-hmm. corporate and you're not podcasting, you're missing out. I'm going to teach you how to podcast like a pro. Here's my course. It's a series of three webinars we're running over the you know the last three weeks of November, and it's yeah. $997. And it's limited to 10 or whatever number you want to put on it because yeah. I want to give people really deep dive hands-on attention, right? Mm-hmm. So you sell 10 or 20 copies of that webinar series. You make enough money to fund the development of the course, right? So mm-hmm. let's say we've sold 20 copies. We've made 20 grand. Cool. We're going to run these webinars over a three-week period. Now, you sketch out the table of contents of those three webinars. You teach value in the first webinar. You teach value for about half an hour, and then you open it up to Q&A. And mm-hmm. you say to everyone, right, now I know you've got questions. So here's the way I say it. I could spend the rest of my life here flapping my gums and giving you guys what I think is value, but I get a better idea. Why don't you tell me exactly what you want to learn, and I'll make sure I teach it. And then if someone says – in this webinar series, are you going to cover X, Y, Z? I say, yes, of course we are. That's coming up next week. And then you go and build a course for it. Correct. Or you build the content you go and for build it. it next week. So by the time you finish those three webinars, you've blown these people away because you've given them the exact answers they want because mm-hmm. you've listened to their questions. You've also got a great course that you know is already worth 997 because you've sold it to 20 people. You've mm-hmm. got testimonials and You've got a course that is going to cover most questions. So you then publish your new table of contents on your blog and say, hey, we're about to roll out this course. This is what we teach. There's going to be stuff in there that you're teaching that you didn't even think you were going to have to teach because Hmm. of the feedback you've got from your first cohort of clients, of students. You've got testimonials, you've got case studies, and now you know how to teach this course. Hmm. Then you can package that up into your punchy five to 10 minute lessons, put it up in a nice learning management system and do a proper launch. But don't try and launch a course before you've sold a series of webinars and actually got your beta users through it because that's just going to take way too long. You're not going to get traction and it's going to damage your confidence. I really like what Dan Norris says. He says you don't learn until you launch. Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. I mean, it's Eric Reese, lean startup, man. I mean, this is, it's what this is all about, you, you know, and the, the reason it's important to get people to pay is because I can ask you what you want to learn at a podcasting course and your answer will be different than if you give me $1,000 and then I ask you what you want to learn at a podcasting course because you want to learn exactly what you need to get a return on that investment and that's a different conversation. Couldn't agree more. You know, James Tramko has been a good friend to me and one of the things he said to me was, you have to get an offer that converts and the only way you know an offer that converts or not is put a pay button on there, see if they click and buy. And if they, they could, people will say they want to buy stuff, but when it comes yep. to actually buying, it's a different story. So the only true test is, are they actually putting money behind what they're saying? Are they putting money in your pocket? And once you have that, you have validation. Now Correct. go and kill yourself creating yep. the best possible product you can to Correct. give them 10 times what they paid you in the form of value. Exactly right, man. That is exactly right. And you know what? I have two parts to that. I have cancelled products or just completely dropped products and refunded people's money because not enough people bought to validate it. So I'm not afraid or ashamed to do that at all because I've now saved the world from a horrible product that nobody (laughs) wants, right? And two, what you just said then about absolutely making the product 10 times more valuable than they've invested, that leads to amazing testimonials and an amazing community of customers that we've got all over the world that just send me emails on a daily basis saying, I cannot believe how much value you guys keep adding. And my answer is, well, you guys are our early adopters. You have funded this business and helped us get it off the ground. You are my inner circle. I'm going to treat you like royalty for the rest of our business lives together. And that's another really important point about the inner circle and the early adopters. In fact, I was on a mastermind where James Tramco was talking yesterday with Dean Jackson, 
He actually said it's counterintuitive, but most people try and sell their cheapest products to new customers and treat their existing customers with the word disdain comes to mind. It's not exactly disdain, but don't mm. treat them like rock stars or like, you know, mm. lay the red carpet out for them. But his approach, and I agree with this, is treat the people who are paying you like royalty mm -hmm. because they are the ones who've taken a risk with you. They are your, as you said, early adopters. Give them first dibs on everything at the best possible price Yep. because they are the ones who are going to become your evangelists. You know, I That's have a right. client. In fact, the talk I'm doing at Macquarie Bank is actually one of my clients who was yep. so happy with the results I delivered her in the podcast service that she said, why don't you come and speak at Macquarie Bank? I'll organize the event and you just have to come and speak. Yep. And I'm like, wow, I think you need to treat the people that are close to you with with the most possible respect. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you a question. So, okay, so you've got the course now. You've created the course. You've made your leveraged recurring income product. Now, what happens, let's say the product sells for $2,000 a pop. Mm -hmm. If you advertise the product on Facebook and wherever else you want to advertise and say the cost per course enrollee acquisition, whatever the term is, the cost yeah. per new customer is yeah. say 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you be putting in 500 bucks all day, every day in one end of the funnel and get 2000 bucks out the other end? Yeah, you would. And it's an interesting conversation because it's never quite that easy. Like cost per acquisition is a moving target. Yeah. Like I don't think you can bed down cost per acquisition and keep it consistent and predictable every day of the week. I just don't think we live in that kind of world. Yeah. It is, it's a moving target because things are very competitive, but we know, I mean, we spend good money on Facebook ads because mm. they pay for themselves. We spend, mm. I fly, you know, to the States every now and then and sponsor a conference and do a talk and go meet customers because it pays for itself. So we have predictable cash flow now, much more than when we we're a client services agency, because we know roughly how much money is coming into the business every month. So we do launches throughout the year, but then at the end of 12 months, when someone buys one of our courses, they get access to the course and they also get access to our community program or our membership site for 12 months. At the end of that 12 months, their membership automatically renews at a particular rate. So for example, in the WordPress space, it's $97 a month to be a member of that community. At the moment, we've got about a 50% retention. So once people have been in the course, they've been in the program for 12 months, about 50% choose to stay in after that 12 months. So what we're doing is we're actually getting 12 months commitment from them up front, and then about half of them are staying in after that 12 months. Now, we've just brought on one of our star students, Christina Romero, who was on the mm -hmm. Seth Godin podcast. She's now come on as customer success manager, and one of her roles is to increase that retention above 50% to get people to stay in the community. And that's just by making the community super valuable and adding more value to that community. So the point is that we know roughly how much money we've got coming in every month, not taking into account our launches. Like our launches mm. are just like cream on the cake, really. Mm. And so we know that we can spend good money on pay per click and on cost per acquisition because we know that we've got that revenue coming into the business. We know when we can hire someone. We know when we can buy some more equipment or we can up our game or buy more cameras or whatever to increase the production of our videos. We know when we can do that because we know we've got our budget is fairly tight. It's not a guesswork budget like it is in the client services business when you really have no idea what's coming in every month. Mm. By the way, speaking of community, I think that community is such an important part of a successful course or a recurring membership offering. In fact, I spoke on episode 54, I think it was with Mac Fogelson, and she is somebody who's really into communities. And she was actually recommended to me by Rand Fishkin. And, mm -hmm. you know, she talks beautifully about how to build communities and businesses. So that's definitely worth listening to if it's something that anyone on this show is interested in learning more about communities. 
Okay, so now let's get to the action section, the part I really love. So what are the key actions a listener can take to build a leveraged income business? Now, I'm going to go first and see sure. what, how well I've done in paying attention and listening to you. So the first thing I would say is don't try and build a course before you have people paying for it. Have a buy now button, sell at least 10 or 15 or 20, whatever you decide is a viable break-even point for the course and then go build it. The second thing is you can teach two kinds of audiences. You can teach the DIY crowd or you can teach your peers. That's a place to start in terms of you know trying to figure out who the audience for the course is. The other thing I'd like to add to that is really get to understand who your audience is and make sure that your course solves a problem mm -hmm. because this applies to any product and even this podcast. If the podcast isn't solving a problem, no one's going to listen to it. Mm -hmm. If the course isn't solving a problem, no one's going to buy it. So make sure that your course solves real problems that are worth solving. And another one I took away from what you said is focus on course completion and try and get that retention rate up as high as possible. You said, on average, say something between 2 and 10% completion rates on courses, mm. and your course is at 60%. Now, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll be asking myself, well, how do I get my completion rate from 10%, which I assume it would be if it's an average course, to what Troy Dean is doing? Which is where you talked about Word Dash. Tell me a bit about that Word Dash thing. So Le Learn Dash. Learn Dash. I'm sorry. Yeah, Learn, Learn Dash is um, a learning management system plugin for WordPress. It's built by a guy named Justin Ferriman out of um, Chicago. He's a great guy. I've met Justin at conferences and we've hung out on Skype. In fact, I published a video, a couple of video blog posts at Rockstar Empires recently with Justin where we talk about the problem with online courses, the fact that there's no community. It's a very isolating experience. It's not a great student experience. We, we go through the research data and we pull out um, what the problems are with online courses. And then we have a look at LearnDash and how LearnDash aims to solve some of those problems. So you could do a lot worse than take some of your information, put it into a course and put it up on LearnDash, which is a WordPress plugin. That, I mean, and it's, it's a relatively inexpensive WordPress plugin. I think it's a couple of hundred bucks for a, a multi-site license. Mm -hmm. And it's got all sorts of cool stuff built in like quizzes and um, it hooks into some other things for badges and it's got certificates built in. It's got, you know, some progress meters and progress bars nice. built in. So it's it's got some really cool interface stuff built in. So if you just go to learndash.com, L-E-A-R-N-D-A-S-H.com, you can check out uh, more about that and say, uh, say hi to Justin for me if you get over there. Yeah, um, sure. The other thing that I would say, though, is that I think the best thing you can do if you want to make a course that is engaging and that your students love, is to start publishing your table of contents or your curriculum for your course right now. Publish that on the blog. Put that in your Facebook groups and say, hey, I've been asked to put together a course to teach X, Y, Z. Here's the curriculum. Before I finish this, is there one thing that I absolutely need to put in this course to make it a complete no-brainer? And then the 10 or 15 or 20 people that leave a comment on that post or in that Facebook group, reach out to them, private message them and say, what would this course need to include for it to be, you know, 997 and for you to basically want to crawl across broken glass and throw money at me to take this course? I'd love to get on Skype and have a quick chat with you for five minutes, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And if you can get 10 or 15 people to pony up and pay 997 for that course, then you validate your idea straight away. If you yeah. can't, then move on. Try something else. I would ask yourself, what is the biggest problem that I solve for my clients right now? If you're a consultant or a coach or an author or a speaker of any kind, what is the biggest problem that I solve for my clients right now? What do I get booked to speak about? What do people engage with? What kind of content are they asking me to write about? What's the biggest problem I solve and how do I solve it? And then how do I turn that into a framework that I can teach? And that's just about having interviews with customers, getting them to tell you 
how they want you to teach it. Use their language hmm. in the course because then it will resonate with them. Get them to help you design the curriculum. You know, get right. buy-in right from day one. Right. Don't go into stealth mode, build a course for three months, and then come out and try and sell it. No, no, no. Right, right. Do it with your customers, with your students. Get them to buy into the process. So crowd thinking. I actually yeah. recently interviewed a guy called Jared Robinson, who's a real rising star, and he was talking about how he, he used crowd thinking to build his membership site. And I think that's mm. a great idea. That's a great way to look at it. Tell me, when you release a course or when you uh, create the curriculum for a course and you don't get enough demand and then you pull it, have you had any negative repercussions? Have people, you know, people's noses gotten out of joint? And how have you dealt with that if that's happened? Well, fortunately, we've never had to do that with an actual course. Uh, it happened once with a high-end mastermind program mm. that I tried to launch. And it's also happened once with a, a physical workshop that I wanted to run in San Francisco. And we just didn't sell enough tickets to make it worthwhile. Mm. So I've just refunded the money, people were a little bit disappointed. They're like, oh, that's a bummer. I was really looking forward yeah. to it. I'm like, well, you know, maybe you should get off your ass and help me promote it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I couldn't make it work. So I'm sorry, but he hasn't made that. And, and you know what? The thing is, man, people are so appreciative of your honesty and your transparency that they're, yeah. and like, there are people in our courses now and mm. come to our live events now who I refunded two years ago when we just weren't quite there yet. Yeah. And they, they've been our loyalist supporters ever since, you know, because of our authenticity and our transparency. Yeah, and people really appreciate that. And if you have authenticity and transparency in in the online world, you're going to stand out. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Because most of the online world is, you know, a little bit shady at, at, yeah. at times. <laughs> okay, so, mate, you've given us some awesome actions and, you know, I'm really delighted with all the information you've given us, awesome content. What books have had the biggest impact on you, Troy, and why? Man, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon yep. Hill was just an absolute game changer for me. Yeah. You know, I come from a very modest background in the northern suburbs of Adelaide and no one in my family was in business. I didn't really, I mean, I had all this kind of bad sort of messaging and brainwashing around money when I was growing up as most kids that, yeah. you know, live live out in the burbs do. And Money um, is, too much money is bad. <laughs> yeah, all that kind of stuff. And you know, I kind of realized recently, I was always told, you oh, know, money doesn't grow on trees. Mm. When I was growing up, money was made of paper. <laughs> it actually bloody did grow on trees, you know, like what's that about? <laughs> I love it. You know? I love that. <laughs> so, so Think and Grow Rich was an absolute game changer for me. And it's it's always the case, like when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Because I tried to read that book years ago and I just thought it was a bunch of woo-woo crap. Yeah. But I, I read it about five or six years ago and it yeah. just resonated with me big time. Yeah. And Lynchpin by Seth Godin is another one that's just been a complete game changer for me as well. Okay. Hey, do you read hard copy books or do you read them on your Kindle? Both. So I read, I love reading hard copy books at home, at night, in bed. I'll generally read a hard copy book. When I travel, I've got a Kindle unlimited subscription on the iPad and yeah. I've also got a scribed subscription on the iPad as well. So I, I like to travel and read books on the Kindle because I can be reading multiple books at once or I can just skim mm. through them and I don't have to cart books around with me. So, but there is something really nice about the feel of paper. There is, isn't it? The fingers. Yeah, totally, man. Books yeah. are never going to die, man. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because you and I grew up in an environment where we, you know, studied with physical books, but clearly that is changing. You know, my yeah. uh, kids these days are learning on iPads and stuff. So it makes you wonder, you know, how is learning going to change? Because today, if you do studies, it is actually proved that if you physically write things down, you're more likely to retain it and take action on it. And I, despite having all these sorts of fancy omnifocus and things and all these fancy tools, I still physically write stuff down. Yep. And even with books and learning, I write things down. But what happens when you don't learn that way in the very beginning? Maybe it'll be different. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I've got to say I'm a big fan of books, and I can see books behind you and on your shelf, and there's books yeah, behind yeah. me on mine. So yeah, yeah, and um, they're real books. They're not props, man. They're not just <laughs> they are real books. <laughs> All right, well, look, it, it's just been so much fun. I'd love to have you back sometime again, Troy. But tell me, how do listeners find out more about you? And is there anything else you want to share before we say bye? TroyDean.com.au is a good place. RockstarEmpires.com is really cool if anyone wants to learn about creating and selling courses. It's a brand new blog. So it's fairly lean and, and light on at the moment. We're actually live streaming. I'm building this business with Christina uh, yeah. in the States who's come on as a partner. And we're actually live streaming building this business from scratch. So I I'm, watched I'm one sh- of those on Facebook, yeah, actually. Sharing, sharing as much as I can on Facebook as a way of keeping myself accountable and keeping yeah. the team accountable. And so every Friday morning, Sydney time, we live stream that meeting. So Rockstar Empire's uh, Facebook page is probably a good place to facebook.com slash Rockstar Empires. And, you know, I would just like echo one of Seth Godin's sentiments that – we all want to follow people. Right? We all want to follow a leader because we all want guidance. We're all looking for a path. We're all looking for a way to navigate our way through the world. The challenge is that not many people are prepared to step into that leadership role because it's very scary. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for anyone who is prepared to just stand up and even act as a leader for a while, mm. know that you don't have to have all the answers. But if you lead and you are transparent and authentic about it, you will build a following because even people who lead have leaders. You know, everyone has people they look up to. Everyone has people they follow. So I would just encourage anyone listening to this to be prepared to step into a leadership role because not many people are. And it's very rewarding if you have enough courage just to step into that leadership role. It can be very, very rewarding. What's your definition of a leadership role? It's funny, but I talked about this in a talk. Leadership, I think, is defined as the ability to lead a group of people. And I redefine that as the willingness to lead a group of people without any obvious ability. And I think Mm. what I'm really saying is that for me, leadership is about courage. For me, leadership is about walking into the darkness of the woods, not knowing where you're going, being prepared to fall over, get up, brush yourself off and look behind you and say, well, there's a pothole here. Don't fall in it (laughs) because I just did. Yeah. And really pave the way for the people who want to follow you. And I've got to say, like, it's not an act of selflessness because because leading a tribe of people is incredibly rewarding because of the feedback and the gratitude you get from mm. your followers. So for me, it's it's a, a nice cyclical thing where I lead my tribe. I have my leaders that I follow. I also have people that follow me. I lead my tribe. They follow. They give me feedback. It makes me feel good. And I show them the way and they learn from my mistakes. So it's a win-win for everyone. I've got to say, man, I totally agree. It, it is scary. I like your definition of leadership. You're basically saying it's about stepping into the dark, even though you it's stepping into the unknown, really. And, yeah. you know, it reminds me, I've got to say, every time I've taken a chance and I've done what you've just talked about, stepped into the unknown, it has been uncomfortable. It has been scary. But almost every time I've done it, yep. it's paid off in multiples, right? <laughs> so like with this podcast, for example, I remember I had an interview with Neil Patel that was sitting on my computer for ages, didn't know what to do with it. And... <laughs> James said to James Tramko, who we talked about a couple of times earlier, said, just publish it. And I'm like, dude, I'll publish it. But then what do I do after that? You know, and he said, figure that out later, just publish it. So I published it. And then to his credit, when I said to him, okay, now what do you want me to do? You know, I'll publish it. And he was like, okay, I'll be your next guest. And so he was episode number two. And since then, I've had some of the most awesome guests on the podcast. I've built a great quality show. I've built a business on the back of it, a podcast launch authority system. But the thing is, I've really enjoyed the process and I've learned so much from it myself. 
Yeah, and yeah. there's no way I could have dreamt that I would be able to do any of this stuff when yeah. I have that thing sitting on my computer for like a year and never yeah, publish it. Totally. You know, the other thing about leading, right, it, it is scary. But if you build followers, your followers are so forgiving and so supportive that for me, the personal growth that I've been able to achieve by leading a tribe, I've done and tried things that I never thought I would try in my life because I know that I've got literally hundreds of people have got my back. Right. They are supporting me on this journey. And that if I completely screw things up, which I have done, they're there to help and to forgive my errors and to forgive my mistakes and to keep championing me and to pick me up and help me dust myself off and push me back out there and say, hey, you can do this, keep going, because we need you to lead us. <laughs> yeah, you know, so right, right. They're, they're, it's extremely support. I feel very supported by our community and it's allowed me to stretch myself and to, and to grow uh, personally. And I, you just reminded me of that, just reflecting on that then. So, so yeah. thank you for the opportunity to reflect on that. Actually, it's, it's <laughs> You're really welcome, fun. man. Yeah, it's great. It's really well, good. all of you listening out there, you know, take some risks, take calculated risks, obviously not yeah. stupid risks, but yeah. take risks, step into the dark and who knows what you'll find. You might just find yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right, man. Totally. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for being on the show, Troy. And man, you've got to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, man. I've really enjoyed this. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. Likewise. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 